You're listening to The Mix on Civ Mix, hosted by Liz Benjamin and Joe Bonia. Welcome back, everyone. You are in the mix with Liz Benjamin and Joe Bonia, who is still joining me from afar. It's crazy to think that we have now been doing this now. This is our sixth episode. Really? Yeah. Wow. And we haven't even seen one another. No. Yeah, someday been, I'll see you and I probably won't even recognize no, you. I'll we've, just walk on by. Yeah, we've been missing each other by a few hours. So we're, we, are, we are as socially distant yet spiritually connected as anybody as, could as be. As it could be humanly possible. Absolutely. Well, it's been um, a long week and uh, a kind of a difficult one, I think. I mean, people are struggling still, clearly, and we're trying to get a handle on what it is that things are going to look like when we unpause. Right. And uh, we're still seeing some other states uh, going in that direction. And we are not. We remain on pause until May 15th. And the governor is every time he has a a discussion about this goes a little further in the blueprint for how it's going to look when we reopen the economy in the state in a regional sense. But I still don't think anybody's completely clear about it. Uh, meanwhile, you've got people protesting down at the Capitol uh, just a few hours ago, and they were not socially distancing. No, they were not. I, I saw some of them on Washington Avenue right near my office, and uh, I saw some some photos from of it earlier. But, I mean, you've been seeing this all across the country. You saw it in Lansing, Michigan. You've seen it, obviously, yeah. here in Albany. So, yeah. uh, And you'll see more of it, I, I assume, at this point. Yeah, it's interesting, though, because I also, every day when I get up to do uh, the Rise and Shine in at oh dark 30 as some might say in the military (laughs) um i i try to gauge exactly where we are in the cycle of the pandemic based on how many non-virus headlines there are right and um there's a slowly growing number of non-virus headlines which i find encouraging um i don't love the fact that some of them are about uh, the Democratic presidential nominee and his alleged sexual harassment mm-hmm. allegations. <laughs> but but that's not virus-related. So I guess uh, from some point, that's a silver lining. Right. Issue. But then you see, I mean, I, I guess it's still within the virus. I mean, you, you've been seeing all this love for the governor now. You had the governor mm-hmm. on Trevor. cover uh, of Vanity Fair. Vanity Fair. He was talking to Ellen. He was on Trevor Noah. I mean, this is a guy that has never done any sort of media appearance that's been late night or you know daytime talk whatsoever ever in his career yeah and apparently he's the most eligible bachelor in the u.s right now apparently so apparently uh, i cannot speak to that i do if you're interested ladies i don't know what to tell you i don't have any hotline into the governor no, or the, insight into that, that lovely term homosexual yeah. his dating status but you know what is also i think we're starting to see is a a number of conversations that are switching from how do we, when do we open to how do we reopen safely, which is the topic of conversation with one of our guests today, Ted Patrikas, who is the head of the uh, the retail council here in uh, New York state. And I've known him for many, many years and he is, it's a trade association effectively for retailers and retail has definitely taken it on the chin. Now, not as significantly, one might argue, as hospitality. Right. Um, they've really, I think that one might say that they've really taken it worst, although, I, I don't know, it's not a contest to see who can out-misery the other. Mm-hmm. But 
retail did make a shift online. And I did open the conversation by saying that Amazon has done quite well, and they have. But he also spoke to us about a sort of online marketplace that his organization created. So others who did not have as significant of an online presence prior to this experience could sort of have um, the clout of numbers, if you will. Right. Well, I mean, I think for, I mean, not to, you know, again, I think you've said it right well right there. Like it's not a contest of, of you know, what sector is going to fall more or not. But I mean, of course, I've been hearing that all across, you know, you have the performing arts, you have hospitality. I mean, all of them are being affected in every single way, regardless mm. whoever it is. Um, right. Yeah. And you also had a conversation um, very interesting with, actually, I've been wanting to meet this person, but I've never really? met him. Yeah, Awusu Anane. Awusu Anane is a councilman for Albany's yeah. 10th Ward. And I spoke to him, obviously, about what's happening in his neighborhood. I think one particular thing of note that we discussed was the the Madison Theater. The Madison has just reopened. It was uh, mm. owned by these uh, couple of guys who wanted to reopen the theater. It's gone through its latest iteration. They just opened in December for Star yep. Wars. And they opened up, big fanfare. Now they shut down again, right? And so we talked about, obviously, what the response has been. And, and he said that the response, at least on the takeout side, because the Madison built in the full kitchen has been great. We talked about, of course, you know, what's been going on in that neighborhood, but also what the city's been doing. They had sent over a letter to uh, Senator Schumer and Senator Gillibrand, along with Congressman Taco, regarding federal aid uh, yes. for the city of Albany. And we talked about, of course, you know, what the city is facing on the budgetary level for that as well. So it was a pretty enlightening conversation. But of course, I asked him, which I ask all my guests at the end, like, what do you want to do um, when this is all over? And one of the things he brought up was playing bingo with seniors in his ward, <laughs> which I asked him, do you play bingo with them? Or do you orchestrate bingo? Right? And of course, I play with them. I, I wanted to ask, really, do you do you beat them? Or do you just, you know, let them actually, <laughs> do you actually play fairly with them? I mean, Bingo is a game of chance. It's not a game of skill. Well, so the, the skill is paying attention. Right. Because if you, you know, forget one and you're not paying attention. Yes, you you're in trouble. Yeah. Uh, is there a bingo hall in that district? There are. Uh, there's not a bingo hall per se, but there are senior centers and senior living facilities that have bingo run inside them. You know, I've been meaning to actually play a little bingo myself. I oh, know that really? sounds crazy, but I... No, really, I have an interest in bingo. <laughs> I don't know why. Why do you have I this think, interest in bingo? Well, but apparently there's like these dabbers that you can get. Like if you're really serious about bingo, you don't use the little chips to, <laughs> you use a dabber so you can run a number of cards at once and you don't knock your chips uh, off. Ah, yes, I've seen that before. Right. So that's like the hallmark of a serious and professional bingo player. And you can run like 20 cards. I mean, you can really, but you've got to keep track no, as you noted. Right? I saw and, that in Puerto Rico a lot. And in the, yeah, in the casinos, because they still have a huge bingo operation in the, in the casinos in Puerto Rico. Yeah, it is uh, interesting. It is a, an area of uh, gambling in New York. Well, generally that most people don't even acknowledge of gambling, but it is regulated it is. actually. It is. It was the first form of, of regulated gambling. I mean, that's how Nevada became Nevada was all these bingo halls. That's really, wow. You know what, Joe, I got to hang out with you more often. You know, at some point what, what we will do, in addition to having this drink together, we're going, oh, we're going to play we're, bingo. We're gonna play bingo. <laughs> so we're going to add this list. We have this list of activities <laughs> that we're going to do when I'm able to see you in person. 
I feel like we should keep the running list and then we should film it and then we should put it on CivMix so other people can see. I, that would be a wonderful idea. What a good idea. Okay, it's a deal. I want to thank you very much. Let's get to it this week. Ted Patrikas, it is lovely to speak with you, although we are distanced quite a bit. And I was saying before we came here on the air that I haven't seen you in so long that I don't know that I would recognize you in your pandemic <laughs> garb, whatever that might be. I, I just want a haircut. That's that's all. I hear you, friends. Well, we all? it yeah. may not be young. It may not be long now before uh, that occurs. I'm I'm eagerly counting the hours, days. <laughs> Joe, yeah. were you going to chime in on that? Yeah, I'm, I'm like the wild man of Borneo right now. That's what my hair is. I'm like a troll doll now. That's what I look like. Oh, okay. That's frightening. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, uh, never mind. I'm not even going to go down yeah. that path. So, yeah. so I, what's interesting about this is, Ted, you and I spent many years um, chatting frequently around Christmas time about yep. what the expectation would be in terms of sales and and we talked of late, like say in the last five to eight years, uh, because we're old, you and I, about mm -hmm. how online sales would kill brick and mortar. And yeah. now, and you talked about like a whole host of things that the state could do from a policy perspective in terms of incentivizing people to buy local and people to buy small and people to go out, et cetera. Well, now we can't do any of those things. And you know who's doing really well in the pandemic? Amazon. <laughs> thoughts well yeah um yes and but but how do you respond to that you being me as a as running the the trade association for the retail industry um where you know we have close to, to out of our whole membership yeah we have the the big stores but close to two thousand of our member stores are these small ones and mm -hmm. it's like well, what do you do? Do you sit back and you go, well, it's it's kind of a drag to be you, isn't it? Or do you do something about it? And um, for, for so many of them, they have a web presence, but nobody knew how to get there. You know, mm -hmm. I want to shop at my favorite bookstore. I want to shop at my favorite record store, but what is their website? So we, we just, we put together a directory um, to basically say, okay, we're going to get into the online business uh, because you guys have to be in the online business now. Right. Um, and the, I don't think anybody three, four months ago thought that they would be doing things like online fulfillment um, and curbside shopping. But, but it's very interesting rather than let one brand, um, you know, the number one site on everybody's online shopping formulary uh, kind of take up all of the space here. I, it, I think a lot of the small merchants, um, you know, their competitive instinct kicked in pretty quickly after March 20th, where so, it became, now what do we do? Well, is it working for them? I, I guess because now we're talking about, and we'll get to this in a moment about what that might look like, but the unpausing yeah. of the economy, and we'll talk about phasing and regionalization and different approaches, sure. and social distancing and all the rest of it. But it seems that the takeaway from this is going to be you must maintain a strong online presence or not survive, particularly since folks like Dr. Fauci et al. are predicting that we're not done yet with this virus. Yeah, and um, they absolutely do have to. And I think, I don't want to say it was a wake-up call for a lot of retailers because retailers fail if they're not awake all the time anyway. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it was just like, oh, I'm going to, I got to do this like for real now. It can't just be, you know, here's my website. Um, these are all the great things that you're going to see if you come into my store. It's no, these are the great things that I have in my store and here's how I can ship them to you. Mm-hmm. Whether it's, um, you know, curbside. And, and I think one of the keys to getting retail aligned into the earlier part of the ramp toward reopening is to be able to say to, to the government in New York state, um, to the local governments, to the governments regionally that are working on this thing in the Northeast is to say, Hey, look, one of the things that we've learned in the last few weeks is how to keep customer density down, but still stay open. And how you do that is through this, this stuff like curbside, which a lot of shoppers are going to want, you know, um, you talk to people and say, well, Hey, if there were a concert in August, would you go? And they're saying, no. Right. And I think retailers know that a lot of people are going to, they're, they're, they're still going to say, I don't care, you know, uh, what you're covered in. If you've got the mask and the gown and the gloves, I'm still not going to go into the store. How do I, as a retailer respond to that? And, and, but they've been working double time trying to figure that out over the last few weeks. And and I think retailers are becoming as comfortable with that new dynamic and that they, they will be, I, I guess the phrase is, you know, multi-channel retailing. Mm. Well, that was something for the big guys until about six weeks ago. Now multi-channel has to be the buzz phrase that's on, um, you know, from the smallest bookstore right up to the largest department store. They've got to really think about this because, that's what shoppers are going to want. Right. Well, to that end, I mean, is the era of, you know, wandering through the streets of, say, downtown Troy, which is an independently owned shopping mecca, and the sort of happy accident of finding an item that is charming or that you can't find somewhere else, um, is that, and that you've picked it up and put it down and chatted with the Mm -hmm. store owner and had some coffee or what have you, all the things that you and I have discussed in the past about what makes the brick and mortar independently owned retailer experience so significant and a breath of fresh air, really. I mean, you know, how many box stores can you visit before you've seen them all effectively? Is that over? No, no, there's, there's no, there's no way that I, I think that that's over. And the reason that I say that as affirmatively as I do is that, um, yeah, I, I distinctly remember standing in the middle of lower Manhattan on September 19th of 2001 and just standing there and thinking, this is, it's done. How does this ever come back? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it wasn't long before it, came back um, stronger and tonier and pricier and more exclusive than it was before. And um, I think that if retailers felt, if the, if the brick and mortar retailers felt that they were never going to come back and that we wouldn't get back to that point where, where we are walking around and shopping, then they'd probably, they will have closed already, you know, Mm. Um, but, 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 this is different though. I don't forgive me for interrupting you. I mean, no. That was 9/11 was this terrible blow that sent the economy reeling, but it was also mm-hmm. very contained. I mean, this is a little bit of a different situation because this yeah. is imp- is is impacting all of us and um you know, it's uh 
and 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 everybody has to figure out how to get people into their store and keep them safe. And that's a problem. Yeah. Well, and it's going to take time. And I'm not a philosopher, um, but uh, but I think one of the things that people have realized over the last few weeks is how much they miss the, the, the simple things like shopping. You know, and and you and I talked about this for years and years. It's like, well, I don't want to go to the store anymore. I don't want to go park. I don't want to. I just want to get online and find the thing and send it to me. You know, right. and a lot of people talk about that. But now that they've not been able to actually go out and go shopping, there's something missing. And what's missing? It's like, I really just kind of want to go and browse for a little while. Boy, I really right. miss walking down the street. There will come a point where people feel comfortable to do that again. There will come a point where people feel like, yeah, I can go out and shop and I'm safe and it's really great to see people and I can't wait to go get some lunch and, and a cup of coffee. The, the trick that, that I think retailers have is just like the one that small restaurants have had um, and will continue to have, which is how do we stay open? How right. do we stay alive until the public gets back to that point where we feel safe again? Well, um, how are you so, advising folks? In other words, are you saying, because p- plenty of us have been out to the to the few places that are still open and it's, yep. you know, there's tape on the floor, for example, or uh, in mm-hmm. the case, I believe of Whole Foods, for example, they're going to start giving out masks for, to all, yep. to everyone, um, which is yeah. nice. Uh, and, you know, a, a lovely perk. If you don't happen to have uh, one of your own, I happen to have some very fashionable ones. I'm not sure if you- I am- Sure you do. I, I do. One is it's pink and purple. It's very not on brand for me. But but still I'm I was um I'm very lucky to have it. It was hand sewn. It's 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 beautiful. But I guess what do you what are you telling folks when they if you're a single proprietor, I mean the good part is, you know, you, if you're a single owner and you can open your shop with just you and not hire back mm-hmm. people and you know that's a whole different story regarding PPP and and what the feds have been trying to do to support small businesses. Um, mm-hmm. you could open your doors and it would just be you and your customers, but you can't force people like, how, what are you going to do? Run around with a tape measure and a thermometer. I mean, it's almost seems like that's actually what has to happen. Well, they, I don't think you're going to see them running around with the tape measure because what it, it's more what they're advising us. Um, mm-hmm. because you know, the governor has asked the, the retail council for, uh, for ideas, you know, oh. how do we do this? Mm-hmm. How do we reopen? And, um, so as we've had these conversations, you know, and, and you have to wait for the, the, the timing on this is really important because, um, you know, it wasn't right to talk about these plans when everybody was watching that curve go up and everybody was worried about ventilators and not so much about how are we going to shop after this. That was always in the back of everybody's mind. But, you know, you yeah. get to the point where you can have the conversation. What do the small retailers say to the retail council is, hey, regardless of what we're selling, we know our stores inside and out, backwards and forward. We are really good at counting the number of people who are in the store. We will be able to enforce all of these social distancing, all of these face mask ideas, um, all of the cornerstones that the governor and, and his team have put out there to say, this is what you've got to do in order to rebuild. The small merchants are saying, we could do that. Sure. We can do that. They're, they're very confident about being able to um, open their stores. Um, I mean, a lot of them would say, gosh, 
I would love to have too many people in my store. I've never <laughs> known right. what that's like. I'd was. love to have to you ask know? them to wait outside. Sure they would. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, but one of the things that, that we're saying to, um, to the governor's people is, hey, as part of this whole reopening, um, stores aren't going to do things that create that attractive nuisance that he's talking about. You know, you won't have live events. You won't have um, book signings. You won't have all of these things that, that really drive the crowds, but just opening the door and saying, we're here and you can come in and browse, um, you know, we're going to reduce the hours. We'll have special hours for people who are uh, medically compromised, things like that. All of those things that you're hearing about the big stores doing, the smaller stores are saying to us, hey, we can do that too. Give us so, the shot to do it. So what do you needs to happen? Is there a policy that needs to be put into place? And more specifically, I mean, look, we've all read about the difficulties that the Paycheck Protection Program ran into and the SBA ran out of money. And then in the second round, the SBA um, had computer problems. And in the first round, they gave money to Shake Shack and the Lakers and yes. all other institutions that ended up yes. giving money back because it's not really to yeah. help people who have access to that sort of capital. Um, what are your members saying needs to happen that isn't happening now at the state and federal level? Well, I think the, the key that has to happen for them to, to reopen is for when we see that, that phase two that the governor has talked about. After the manufacturing and and the um, uh, what is it the the light manufacturing I think um, yeah. is allowed to reopen. How soon will phase two come in on? Yeah, construction is the word yep. that I could not think of. Yep. Um, but how quickly? At what point does phase two come in? And did we, as the retail council, do a good enough job making the case for the retail industry mm-hmm. to be a part of that second phase? And, you know, making that case is what we're working on right now and saying, here are all the things that the retail industry, from the smallest stores to the largest stores, this is how we're going to reopen. Because like we were talking about a few minutes ago, the state can say, we want you to do X, Y, and Z. It's the customers who are going to say, well, yeah, X, Y, and Z are fine. We we would like the alphabet to start at A because before we're going to feel comfortable coming in. Right. We want to make sure, you know, we've got, we have to respond to those two constituencies, to our shoppers and to the regulators well, and to, to the government. End, Ted, I mean, honestly, I think it's going to take time. I mean, it took time for us to get used to staying at home. Now we're all like, oh, I feel comfortable here and safe. And I got my food and my dog and my, and my computer yeah. and my, yeah. my spouse who I haven't killed yet. And, you know, whoever, my kid who I haven't but, off the balcony. I mean, all of that. Um, and and the question is, and I guess I don't I, I don't want to. We will not end on this note because it's sort of scary and depressing. But we're almost out of time. Um, how many people are going to be able to hold on until it comes back in a robust way? Twenty twenty three. The Fed is expecting. That's a long time. Yeah. Um, well, I'm I'm not going to end on a, on a pessimistic note because this goes right back to what we were talking about at the beginning, and it's why we put the retailnewyork.com portal together which is these stores that, that never really thought too much about their online presence beyond it being an advertisement. Now mm-hmm. see that, it's a, that it is an integral part of their work, that they have to do this to stay open. And as the people are saying, well, 
I'm really comfortable being home and my dog is here and my, it's, it's terrific. And I like this. Um, these smaller stores need to be able to prove that they can ship things to us just as well as the big guys can. And that's, that's the thing that's going to um, allow them to carry on until the day comes that everybody feels great again. And we're all running around without our shirts on and all that stuff. And because we're COVID free. <laughs> hmm. Well, I don't plan on doing that anytime soon, but I do get your point. That was, this, that was a metaphor. That was, was a metaphor. A palindrome. Sarcasm. What is it? I you're, can't you're remember can, what it was. Your lockdown addled brain, Ted Patricus. <laughs> it's I, been a long week. <laughs> it has. I want to thank you. And, and I really want to make sure that our retail community knows that you know, New Yorkers are thinking of them, and 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 I, at, at at any rate, and I'm sure that I'm not alone. I'm looking forward to the day when I could just walk down the street and have something catch my eye, and go into a store and pick it up and try it on, or browse a book, or just meet a person and not wonder if they're smiling behind that mask or not. So, yeah, I look well, thank th thank you for that, Liz. In the meantime, those stores are still open. And you yep. can find them right there at retailnewyork.com. So thank you for the opportunity to talk about it and um, call anytime. It's a, it's it a pleasure retail, to talk with you again. Retail NY or Retail New York all spelled out? Re retail, retail New York all spelled out. Okay. Um, and we're really excited. We are announcing a partnership with the, the global website, Retail Me Not, oh. um, which is featuring us. Um, to support New York retail, Retail Me Not is featuring the uh, the Retail New York portal right there on their homepage, and um, wow. it's it's a huge boost. It's a big up for um, independent New York businesses. It'll put a lot of worldwide eye worldwide eyeballs um, <laughs> looking at these little stores that we want to stay open now and in 2021 and two and three and nine and 2040. So. There's a way to support and uh, retailers need it. So it's a good time to shop. Okay, thanks. It's always so a good much. time to shop. It's always a good time to shop. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ted Patricus. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you, Liz. Okay, bye-bye. Yeah. Are you looking to reach a diverse audience? Advertise with CivMix today. Visit CivMix.com to learn more. Are you ready to rise and shine? Read up on the latest news and happenings taking place in your community each weekday morning on CivMix.com. Sign up to receive Rise and Shine in your inbox. CivMix, it's where it's at. Catch new episodes of The Mix each week exclusively on CivMix.com. Councilman Awusu Anane represents Albany's 10th Ward, and he now joins us on The Mix. Awusu, how are you? I'm doing well. How's everything going, Joe? You know, it's one of those things where, you know, I talk to a lot of my, my friends and, you know, folks like yourself, uh, even though you are a friend, but like every, everything's so virtual right now. Either see people on social media or in this context, talking to you via a, uh, a Zoom interview. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll get right into it. So on the council, you I mean, you've been now on the council. This is now your, you're still in your first term, right? Uh, yes, still on first term. So, yeah. And, and January so, will be my uh, 30th. Uh, that's right. That's right. And, you know, one of the things that I, I know, cause I, 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 I follow you of course in social media. And of course I followed your political career. 
with great interest. And, you know, for your ward, you mean right in, in Pine Hills, you had the Madison Theater, which had been uh, abandoned for a little bit of time. And, and the theater has gone through different transformations with different ownership and management and so on and so forth. I can write a book about it. But you were a huge proponent for the theater reopening, and then it reopened. And then, of course, a few months later, with, of course, all the shutdowns um, happening for our economy, the theater was, of course, a victim of that. But they're still doing takeout, right? That is correct. They're still doing takeout. What have you heard from you know the owners there? And what are their thoughts? Um, so I've spoken to Kevin Paresu, who's the owner of the Madison Theater, um, wonderful uh, guy, and we're so glad that he made a decision to invest in the Pine Hills neighborhood. Um, it's brought essentially such a joy uh, to the neighborhood. Uh, the Madison Theater, I believe, is uh, the pride and joy of the Pine Hills neighborhood. And, um, you know, some of uh, with the pandemic, the coronavirus pandemic that is taking place right now, something that could have not been predicted, uh, there are many businesses that are facing some challenging times and uh, making some tough decisions. Um, just the other day, I heard a good friend say uh, to the businesses that it's time to throw out the playbook. And I, you know, I strongly agree, um, particularly as it relates to Madison Theater. Uh, they, they're doing well. Um, they, they were forced to uh, lay a few um, staffers off. That's something that no business want or any uh, elected official would like to see. Uh, but what's happening is that what Kevin Parisi has done is he has decided to raise funds uh, for his staffers and making sure that they are taken care of in these challenging times. Um, I've spoken to Kevin several times this week, and he is doing well. The business is uh, delivering uh, food to residents. You actually don't, there's no delivery charge. Once you order, you could come in there and pick up the food or they could deliver uh, Madison Theater is doing well. Um, uh, of course, all the residents in the Pine Hills neighborhood and also in the city of Albany would like to go and check out a movie at our historical theater. But because of COVID-19 and the social distance protocols put in place by the governor, um, that that action is not allowed right now. But uh, they're doing fine. They're, uh, they're still uh, open for business. So individuals, if you're interested, uh, if you're in the Pine Hills neighborhood, make sure to stop by and grab some food at the Madison Theater. That's encouraging to hear because I think for any theater or any performance facility, I mean, that's been the biggest challenge right now. And I think, you know, even though it's not in your, or correct me if I'm wrong, but Steamer 10 is not in your ward, right? It's over in the, the 13th, it, right? Yes, it is over the 13th, but it's right uh, borders and many of the Pine Hills residents uh, are frequent patrons at, at that location. Uh, when I think about Steamer 10, and the impact that uh, they have here in the city of Albany, particularly in our children who want to uh, work on their arts and also work on their performance. It's a wonderful staple in the city of Albany. Um, and you know, although they're not open, I know that uh, Ricky Chester, who's the executive director, has something up his sleeve as it relates to utilizing Zoom or Google Meets to make sure that they're still operating uh, these are some challenging times for our kids, and we have to think outside of the box as it relates to moving forward. What have you heard from the folks over at, I know now we're moving a little bit further up Madison Avenue. What have you heard from you know, the folks over at BMT? Because obviously they've invested a tremendous amount into the neighborhood. You have the Point, Juniors, Madison Poorhouse, 
uh, all right there. I know Junior's is still doing takeout, but Madison Poorhouse, which even got that that quick little buzz from that Stephen King book uh, that they got mentioned in, which I saw on TU. <laughs> uh, but what have you heard from those guys? Yeah, Upper Madison uh, Business Corridor. Um, due to COVID nineteen, again, we have some challenging times, but most of the businesses are still open. We have Kismet uh, Mediterranean Restaurant that is uh, uh, at Upper Madison. They're open after 5 p.m. and they usually have takeout and also doing delivery. Uh, BMT, which is a wonderful business uh, in the Pine Hills neighborhood, uh, they're still uh, doing pickup deliveries and individual, they're also doing delivery. So uh, we're in some challenging times and the businesses are um, adjusting to these times. Uh, some of the challenges that they face as relates to their staffers, uh, BMT had to cut down their staff, but overall, they still have some people who are still working and cooking and delivering food. Um, That's great. Yeah. I mean, obviously I live, yeah. I live in the 13th, but you know, I lived in the 10th for a number of years. And so, um, yeah, of course yeah. I, yeah, I go to the, the market 32 right in the neighborhood. And, you know, of course I used to frequent, uh, you know, the points where I would see you as well and other things like that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. so um, it's, it's such, it's, Oh, sorry. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. I would say it. Yeah, it's uh, the Pine Hills is such a walkable neighborhood, and that's one of the things I really enjoy about the 10th Ward and the Pine Hills neighborhood as a whole. Um, you have uh, the supermarkets with Market 32, you have the drugstore with CBS, you have the movie theater, you have a whole host of restaurants, the library, um, all in the same vicinity. And I feel like we're just so blessed. It's like our own little village. And uh, that's something that I really miss seeing people outside walking about. Uh, I know very, uh, I take great pride and making sure that I'm accessible. Um, so every time, whenever I get opportunity to make a walk around, meet the constituents, make sure that their issues or concerns are heard through City Hall, and also like to just hear how they're doing, their hopes and dreams. So it's, uh, it's, it's a challenge right now, but overall, uh, we're working through it. So you had, there was a letter that was sent over to Senator Schumer, Senator Gillibrand, and Congressman Tonko, uh, that you co-signed uh, along with your council colleagues and, of course, the mayor as well and Council President Corey Ellis, uh, calling for federal aid uh, for, of course, you know, the city of Albany. And as, as we all know, uh, Albany has its financial challenges, not because of anything other than that we are the city of state government. And, you know, we, of course, have this undue burden uh, as we all look for the, you know, getting the city a, a fair share. And we, we, the city has been, uh, pretty aggressive in terms of working with the state in terms of getting that money. But as every single locality, not just here in New York state, but across the country, I mean, this is a huge impact, uh, to the city budget. Um, so that letter was sent out how long ago? Uh, this last week, right? Yes, it was April 24th. Yes. And, so what, so what are you guys advocating for in the letter? Uh, yeah, so essentially, um, like you mentioned, uh, City of Albany is host to state government. And being host to state government, there are several properties that are off the tax rolls uh, that we cannot account for. Uh, year in and year out, we typically in a $12.5 million uh, budget deficit. Um, and most of it is because of being host to state government and several nonprofits that exist here in the city of Albany. Um, the state is having some challenges as it relates to some finances. 
And whenever that takes place, it has a ripple effect as it relates to municipalities and also cities. So on our letter to um, uh, Senator Schumer and also Senator Gillibrand and also with uh, uh, Congressman Paul Tonko, we wanted to make sure that in these challenging times that states and cities are not left out to fend for themselves. Um, you know, Senator Mitch McConnell made a, a comment that I, quite frankly, um, you know, there's no word to describe this, uh, my sentiment for uh, Sen Senator uh, McConnell and his feeling as it relates to telling uh, Democratic states to go bankrupt. That is unconscionable. In tough times, we're supposed to lean on each other. Each other. We should rely on each other. And this is not the type of rhetoric that we want to hear from our leaders. So essentially this letter is calling for the federal government to give the state of New York its fair share. We are the epicenter of COVID-19, particularly New York City, and there's going to be some tough uh, budget decisions that we have to make. But one of the things that we have to make sure is that whatever funds that is available from the federal government to the state of New York, that we're not playing politics, but we're looking at the need that the need that exists here in our state and we want to make sure that the federal government is going to um reimburse the uh the state and give us the money that we need to make sure that um after COVID-19 or even during this process that we're financially sound and making sure that the everyday people and the residents and the New Yorkers are taken care of uh many people rely on our state on government for whether it's infrastructure projects, whether, whether it's um, for law enforcement, uh, making sure that first responders are out there keeping residents safe. Many of these jobs that exist here in the city of Albany are government jobs. And if we are not receiving the, our fair share of funding from the federal government, we're gonna have to make some tough decisions. And we, this letter is essentially set, telling our federal representatives that we need the federal dollars to alleviate the tax burden, to alleviate the, the challenges that we're going to face moving forward. So again, we're going to be facing a loss of $15 billion in revenue due to COVID-19. And we want to make sure that we're doing everything that we can to communicate to the federal government that this is not a time to play politics. This is about taking care of American citizens, taking care of the residents of our state. Uh, go a little bit more further as it relates to the letter, we're asked for funding for, you know, public, medical, and also our nurses, uh, also our schools. We're asking for uh, more leadership out of Washington to address the challenges that the state of New York has. Let's put politics aside and let's do the right thing on behalf of Americans. Has the council received a reply back from our federal officials? Uh, um, I don't have an answer as it relates to that, but we have not received an email. Maybe they sent a, a, a letter to City Hall, but I'm hoping we do get a response. Um, you see what's happening all across uh, cities and towns, particularly Ithaca. They have already started the process of laying uh, city staffers off. And we are trying to prevent that. We want to make sure that we have the federal dollars. We also have the state dollars to move eff effectively. We are the capital of New York. And I believe that many uh, municipalities are watching what's happening 
here in uh, our capital. So that's why this uh, letter was so important, because we want to make sure that the federal government is taking care of our state, our counties, and also our, our towns and villages. One thing that you've been a, uh, a pretty big advocate for has been the uh, creation of a, a municipal uh, internet service here in the city of Albany. And I think that's been, of course, uh, moved up to the forefront, given that uh, Charter Communications has actually put through a, a rate hike, uh, if you will. Um, recently, and of course, as folks are having a, a tough time paying their bills, as 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 it were, um, this is something that you had talked about at least for you know throughout your the ter- your duration as a as a council member right now. Um, so, what would that look like? What would a a city owned a, cit- a citizen owned internet service look like for the city of Albany? Well, first off, thank you for bringing that up. Um, as you mentioned, um, access to internet. It's no longer a luxury. It is a necessity. Um, Here in the city of Albany, particularly in these challenging times that we're in, uh, it has exposed several disparities, whether it's health disparities, uh, disparities in education. Um, All these things are being exposed, particularly as it relates to municipal internet. Uh, 30% of our residents here don't have access to affordable or reliable internet. That is unconscionable, quite frankly. There's a whole set of community here in the city of Albany that are shut out of having access to internet or some of the technology. Uh, so with this, uh, my proposal as it relates to uh, putting a commission together to study uh, if the city of Albany could have a municipal owned and operated internet, similar to some of our departments, that exists, whether it's building on codes or whether it's um, our budget office. These are some of the services that I believe uh, that we could provide to the residents. Uh, we see in uh, towns and states like Chattanooga, Tennessee, where they have municipal uh, internet. Their business uh, culture is going up. Their education community is going up. People are investing in, the, in, in their city. And I believe that we could do that right here in our city of Albany. But first, I believe that we need to put a study together to figure out what is going to cost us and then look at actions that we could take to bridge, uh, to put a dent in the digital divide. Uh, very, as an educator, I take this very personal. More and more, our kids need access to the internet. That's where they could do their homework. More schools are... Uh, put an internet-based curriculum. Um, they're also, whether you're looking for a job, you need access to an internet. Whether uh, you're looking for, to start a business, you need access to internet. So as it relates to what it looked like, we will have an internet uh, customer service operation right here in our city, which is going to provide jobs to the residents of the city of Albany to operate, to, uh, to provide internet to residents. So residents could either uh, opt in for free or reduced, uh, depending on the amount of speed that they would like. So I believe that we could offer basic internet to neighborhoods that are struggling, looking at neighborhoods or families who receive free or reduced lunch. They should have access uh, to the internet. And this pandemic uh, has exposed uh, the disparity as it relates to um, internet here in the city of Albany. And so I'm looking forward to, I'm working with the mayor 
on making sure that we have something meaningful to provide to the residents. As the capital of New York, we could do better. The mayor understands that. And I'm working with her day and night to make sure that we're able to provide um, access to internet. So I like to leave my interviews off with a, a very simple question. And, you know, you're a very social guy. And of course, that's you know, the nature of anybody who's involved in, in politics in, in this city. Uh, what would be the first thing that you would do or will you will do when at least the shutdown portion of this pandemic response is over? That is that is such a great question. Um, during this uh, quarantine time, I've been reflecting a lot, uh, particularly about the neighborhood, reflecting about city government, but also on a personal level. Um, one of the things that I'm really excited to continue to keep doing is just keep working on behalf of the residents of the city, um, supporting uh, local businesses, going out and also supporting, uh, reaching out to constituents, figuring out what are some of their needs uh, and how government could provide some services. Uh, we, this pandemic has, um, quite frankly, has been a shocker for many residents. This is something that we could have not predicted. So as a Calvin Council member, I want to make sure that 10th Ward residents are okay, that if they need anything as relates to city government, that I'm there and connecting them to the resources. But I look forward to seeing the neighbors again. Uh, I miss uh, playing bingo with the seniors at some of the nursing homes in the Pine Hills neighborhood, particularly. Um, now, do you, run, now do, you, do you run the bingo or do you play against them? <laughs> no, actually, I just participate. I don't run the bingo. I so you play. Oh, them. so you play against them? Okay, all right. Yes, yes, okay. I, I play. I play against them sometimes, uh, but I also deliver pizza to them during those uh, times uh, whenever That's I get good. a chance. But I really enjoy um, being around the singers. I believe that very too often uh, those demographics are shut out. They need that personal touch. They need someone to talk to. And as an elected official, I want to make sure that I'm accessible. So I'm looking forward to playing bingo with the seniors at Thurlow Terrace, uh, 400 Hudson, and also St. Vincent. Uh, but yeah, to answer your question, I look forward to just getting out there. Um, uh, just getting out there, meeting people, and listening to some of the stories, and but some listen to some of their stories. And if I may add, I just want to say I am so proud of the individuals, Albany residents, the people who have stepped up in a big way. In challenging times, we should lean on each other. And so many people, whether it's in a business community, whether it's in government, whether it's in, um, in a medical field, individuals have stepped up big. They have stepped up in a big way. And you see organizations that are being created in these crises, like um, Feed Albany, a wonderful um, initiative that is being drawn by individuals in the business community. You're seeing uh, food people donate into food pantries. That is, that is wonderful. And that's something, that's something that it reminds me of how much I appreciate and love this city. Because in challenging times, people step up and they're willing to help their neighbors. And I know that we're going through a difficult time, but this too shall pass. And just listen to what our elected officials are saying. Listen, particularly Governor Cuomo. Uh, we're not gonna say the other guy's name, but uh, listen to what our elected officials are saying and respect the social distance guidelines. I get it, everybody wants to get out, and I do too. But we have to make sure 
that we're social, we're, we're following the quarantine, we're quarantining, we're following the social distance guidelines so we can get out there, enjoy what we, what we, uh, we enjoy doing. That's great. Councilman Owusu Anane, thank you for being on The Mix, and we'll talk soon. Well, th- thank you, Joe, for having me. Uh, it's been a pleasure, and I just want to say thank you so much for the work that you do for the Capital Region. No problem. All right, see. Catch new episodes of The Mix each week exclusively on civmix.com. <laughs>